Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. Teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hi everyone, how is everyone doing? I got back from my holiday last weekend and I went from gorgeous 33 degree weather in Tenerife to a rainy 3 degrees back in the UK when we landed and I am missing the sun already. So I'm sat here under my electric blanket and with a cup of tea in my hand and although I do really love autumn, to be fair, my fiance hates autumn and hates winter <laughs> and she just lives for the summer, but I actually do like the cold weather and getting all cozy and knit jumpers and drinking hot chocolate. So, hey, I guess that's the silver lining. I get to come back and wear nice knitted jumpers and be all cold and go for autumnal walks. <laughs> so I guess that's the good thing about this season. But wherever you are and wherever you are listening from, I hope that you are warm and cozy because this episode is a bit of a deep topic and I hope it really gets you thinking about your relationship with yourself. So I was listening to a podcast by a coach I love called Stacey Bateman, who's a business coach, and she was talking about something she calls success intolerance and how when we have limiting beliefs about ourselves and our ability to succeed, and then we go and create actual success, we achieve the levels of success we didn't think we were capable of, our brains subconsciously want to reject it. And you may have heard the term cognitive dissonance, which is exactly what she was talking about, how when we are presented with evidence that contradicts our pre-decided beliefs and ideologies, we feel very uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to the brain because it's not familiar. It's going against the narrative and the story that we are currently used to, against the identity that's now us and what we believe to be true and right. So some people where they have this cognitive dissonance in their businesses, where they don't believe they're talented and worthy of success, but find themselves surrounded by evidence of it, they feel the urge to reject it. They tell themselves that it didn't count, that the success was a fluke, that they couldn't do it again. And then they often end up self-sabotaging, subconsciously doing things that threaten the success that they've created in order to return to the status quo, the familiarity of their previous identity of being someone that hadn't created that success. Now, you may be thinking, what the hell does this have to do with relationships, Rebecca? (laughs) But stay with me because I promise you it does. Because as I was listening to this podcast all about success intolerance, I realized that the same thing shows up for my clients in a very similar way. But instead of success intolerance, I'm going to call it love intolerance. That's right, love intolerance. And what I mean by love intolerance is just like those starting their own businesses, maybe hold limiting beliefs that they'll never be able to do it, that they don't deserve their success, that they're flawed or not talented or good enough in some way. A lot of my clients have limiting beliefs about what's available to them in terms of happy, healthy relationships, and on some level, reject the idea that they are deserving and worthy of love. So that's what I want to talk about in this episode, and as you are listening, I want you to consider where you may be subconsciously rejecting the love that you are receiving in your life. So what is intolerance? 
Well, the definition of intolerance is the unwillingness to accept views, beliefs, or behavior that differs from one's own. So as I said before, this shows up for my clients in them being unwilling to accept that others love and care about them because that differs from their own preconceived identity of someone who isn't lovable. Many of my clients believe that, even if it's only subconsciously, they believe that they are unlovable, that they're not worthy of love, that there's something wrong with them, or that they're not likable in some way. So when they have evidence of a loving partner or a friend who really wants to spend time with them and appears to like them, people wanting to be in their lives, they instinctively don't trust it. They want to reject it. It makes them feel uncomfortable. They want to pull away from it. And when I say reject it, this could be either not acknowledging it at all, their brain doesn't even notice that this evidence exists, it completely dismisses it, or they tell themselves that it doesn't count in some way, that this person is just confused or mistaken and that they don't count for some reason. And I used to do this with friends. (laughs) I'd be like, well, okay, so-and-so wants to hang out with me, but she doesn't count because she's just someone I met through work and she's not like a long-term friend. Like, what? what brain? What are you talking about? Why does that make any difference? I have no idea. My brain was just trying to find ways to discount friends that I had because that went against my belief that I was an unlikable person with no friends. (laughs) So if I admitted that there were people in my life that liked me and wanted to hang out with me, that would have felt very uncomfortable because it would have completely gone against everything that my brain subconsciously believed. Or sometimes my clients even want to go as far as rejecting the other person. They believe there must be something wrong with them for liking them because they're so unlikable. So if this person likes them, they must be broken in some way. There must be something wrong with them. And one of my one-on-one clients was talking about this in a recent session. She said how if someone likes her and shows her constant affection and care, she feels repelled and wants to pull away from them. And when someone is inconsistent and doesn't really like her too much, she feels this pull towards them. She's suddenly obsessed with them. And this is a classic case of love intolerance. Because her belief, which we were discussing in the session, was that she was unlovable, the situation of being shown love was totally contradictory. So it felt incredibly uncomfortable to her brain. And the brain would rather feel comfortable and quote unquote right about a belief system that's painful and not creating the results we want, than feel uncomfortable and have to question everything it's ever believed to be true. (laughs) A brain would rather be comfortable in a painful belief than uncomfortable feeling incorrect about something. (laughs) And because her brain didn't believe she was lovable, it decided there must be something wrong with this person showing her affection. Because hey, didn't he know how unlovable she was? It didn't trust it. Whereas the other guy, well, his behavior made much more sense to her brain. That makes perfect sense. He's hot and cold. He's not showing love and care at all. That makes total sense because I'm unlovable. That lines up, that fits the narrative. So in these kinds of situations, we could see that she was continuously rejecting love. And here's some examples of ways that we can all do this and ways that you may also be doing this in your own relationships. So maybe when your partner does something nice or caring towards you, you think something must be wrong, that they must have done something bad or be trying to hide something from you. Or your brain solely focuses on and highlights the moments where your partner isn't showing you affection and completely ignores and dismisses all the evidence and all the times where they are showing you love and affection. 
For example, maybe it focuses and ruminates on the fact that they didn't cuddle you while you were watching TV, but completely ignores the fact that they made you a lovely meal and showed an interest in your day and supported you when you were upset the day before. Your brain might be quick to make their behavior be a sign of how little they care about you. So if they're half an hour late home, it must be because they don't really care about you. Or if they can't hang out with you because they have plans with friends, it must mean that they don't find you interesting or fun. Maybe if your friend is hanging out with somebody else, that must be because they prefer them to you. Your brain is so quick to look for evidence to fuel that narrative. Another one could be that when you think about the loving relationships that you've created with a partner or friends perhaps, your brain kind of dismisses it like it was a fluke or kind of believes on some level that it's all going to go away soon when everyone finally works out just how unlovable you truly are and then you're going to be left alone. And maybe you're even terrified of relationships ending because you don't believe you could create more of them. You also might be preoccupied a lot of the time with fears of being cheated on because again, your brain would then use that as evidence that you aren't lovable in some way. You may also not want to be honest about your true preferences and desires in your relationships because you're so convinced that you'll be rejected. You're so convinced that nobody could love the real you if you were to show up as your true self. And finally, you may even notice yourself self-sabotaging. You find yourself acting in ways that are detrimental to your relationships, but you don't understand why. And after you've done it, your brain just screams, see, I told you, I told you you didn't deserve love. It's like a subconscious drive to prove that belief true. And if you relate to one or more of these things, I want you to know that there is nothing wrong with you and that this isn't a super uncommon thing. It's actually very, very common. And it also isn't a life sentence. It's not like being intolerant to dairy and now you can never eat cheese again (laughs) for the rest of your life. No, no. This is just a sign that you have some limiting beliefs about your own ability to be loved and about your own worth and value. And by challenging and changing those beliefs, you can finally stop rejecting the love you're receiving and start to really enjoy it. So how do you do that? Well, there's two things we need to do. Number one is to become aware of the moment where you're subtly rejecting love and really shine a light on it in your own mind. Call it out when it's happening. For example, if you notice your brain questioning your partner's love for you, ask yourself, am I dismissing and ignoring the evidence that they do care about me? What evidence is there of that? And for a moment, just hold space for that. Sit in it for a moment. Notice where your brain jumps to, they don't love me enough or they don't like me. And just notice that instant jump to hoard evidence that perpetuates that belief. And when your brain is going there, watch it and take a step back from it. Ask yourself, what are the facts here? And is it really true that this is evidence that I'm unlovable? How is that not true? What evidence is there that I am loved by other humans? What evidence is my brain ignoring when it tells me this? This may feel very uncomfortable, sitting in this reflection, and that's okay. I want you to let it be uncomfortable. Let your brain consider for a moment that it may be wrong about you. That all this evidence you've piled up over the years may actually be biased and tainted, and not the full story. Because the truth is, we are all 100% lovable. 
as in we are all humans in which other humans have the ability to feel loveful. Other humans have the capacity to love us because they are able, they have the ability to think thoughts that create love for us. (laughs) They have the ability to think loving thoughts about us. Not all of them will. And not all the humans are supposed to. (laughs) Not all humans will like you or love you or even want to spend time with you. And that's okay. But that has nothing to do with you or your ability to be loved. It's to do with them and their ability to love you. And I have a whole episode on lovability. So definitely go and check that out if you haven't already. Because it's a good one and it really ties into this. And you can ask yourself, when did I first decide I was unlovable? What was happening and what did I make it mean? And why did I make it mean that? And really look back on those moments. Maybe it's childhood memories. Maybe it's a first serious breakup or a first serious rejection. Maybe it's a friendship breakdown. Whatever it is, look back at what happened with an objective lens and consider why did I make that mean I was unlovable? And was that really true? What else could have been true? What was really going on there that had nothing to do with my innate lovability and worth? Consider all the ways that you are already loved. A lot of my clients that are single believe they're unlovable and they use being single as evidence of that. But when they do this, they're dismissing all the love they already have in their life and all the love they've experienced previously in their life. They're dismissing all the friends and family that love them very dearly. They're rejecting that. They're not counting it. They literally say to me, it doesn't count because it's just a friend. That doesn't count because they're family. They're supposed to love me. But that isn't the truth talking. That's your primitive brain that's fighting to prove its familiar belief true. That's the part of your brain that's committed to growing a pile of evidence for how unlovable you are and ignore all the evidence of the contrary. That's who's talking. There are humans on this planet that are capable of loving you, which makes you lovable, period. And finally, the next thing to do is start to work on the belief that you are in fact lovable and worthy of love. And the way I teach my clients to change their beliefs around this is through what I call ladder thoughts. So trying to go from thinking I'm unlovable to I'm totally 100% lovable is likely to be too much of a jump. Your brain is not going to be on board for that. So we need to find a more neutral baby step thought that takes you one step closer to where you want to be with thoughts that you actually can believe. When I'm helping my clients come up with these ladder thoughts, we often use openness like it's possible or I'm open to believing that help to ease the brain into their new belief. So it could be it's possible that there are some likable things about me or I'm open to believing that some people will love me and others won't and that's okay or every day I'm learning to love and accept myself as the imperfect human I am. Again if you need to go even more neutral that's okay like it's possible some of my friends enjoy spending time with me. That could be a thought that feels slightly better than nobody likes me or I'm unlovable and is something your brain can get on board with. We want to find anything that starts to shift your brain and helps you open up to the idea that you are in fact a human that other humans can like and even love. Another one I love is it's possible my brain is ignoring all the ways my friends and partner show that they love me. 
And once you've come up with your own ladder thoughts that are unique to you and relate to your brain, you need to commit to practicing them as much as possible, daily if you can, because that's how beliefs are created. Our neural pathways become stronger the more we think a particular thought or set of thoughts. So in order to rewire your brain to think in this way, you have to repeatedly train it to do so. Think of it like lifting weights at the gym. If you went just once a year and lifted weights and then sat on your couch the rest of the year, your muscles would not grow very strong. (laughs) So the same with building a new belief system. If you practice the thought once and then put it down and just go back to your old limiting beliefs, nothing is going to change. So come up with some neutral beliefs that you can believe and commit to practicing them every single day or as often as possible. And the way you'll know if you believe a thought is if when you think it, you feel something. Maybe it's just a small shift. Maybe it's even just going from feeling terrible to slightly less terrible. That's still a shift. And that's how you know you believe a thought when it creates a change, even if it's a subtle change in your emotional state. And I want to remind each of you that every single one of you is 100% lovable. And the main person who is withholding love from you right now is you. So let's get to work on changing that so that you can enjoy loving others, being loved, and most importantly, loving yourself. Okay, guys, that is all I've got for you today, and I hope it is helpful. The next round of my group coaching program, Master Your Relationship Mind Drama, is going to be opening its doors in December. And in order to make sure you don't miss out, you're definitely going to want to make sure you go and get on the waitlist. So I'll drop the link with all the details for that waitlist in the information section of this episode. And if you have any questions about it at all, either drop me an email or come and find me on Instagram and, and drop me a DM. And can I also ask that you do a little something for me? Could you go ahead and give this podcast a little rating on whatever platform you're listening from? This is how I can keep reaching more and more people and spreading the word of this work. So it would mean a lot to me. Okay, guys, have an amazing weekend and I will speak to you all next week. Bye. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or Coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs. 